Bill? Bill, is that you? Yeah. Please leave your name and number, and I will return your call as soon as possible. Thank you. That was very professional. Please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hello, this is Andy Leyland calling you from the, across the pond. What the f- up. is that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm from New York. <laughs> Get out of here. Forget about it. I'm walking here. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're Starfleet officers. Now start acting like it. Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. Here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Welcome to Listen to the Prophets, the show in which we occasionally talk about Star Trek. Uh, most <laughs> of the time we get off on tangents. <laughs> Specifically Star Trek Deep Space Nine's previously the most underrated, now pretty much well known as a critical darling of the Star Trek franchise. I am J. David Weeder, the guy that hitched a ride along the way. With me is Mr. Paul Spataro Esquire. Hello. Dr. Bill Robinson. Ah. Uh, Good job, Bill. Hi. <laughs> you don't see it, but I'm holding up more fingers each time you mention a name. Yep. And now there's, well, did did you put up two when you came to me? Because <laughs> I counted I mean, you as two. No, I meant count me twice. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just woke up. And introducing Land, Landry Leyland. Wow. Landry. Landry. The will of Landrew. Yes. Oh, the will oh, of Landrew. No. God, he'll be unstoppable now. <laughs> <laughs> the will of Landrew. Well, you're going to be Landrew from now on. I like oh, that. I'm quite fond of being Landrew. He could, he could be Landrew Ayland. Yes, that's my that's my subtle pseudonym that no one will ever crack. I thought it was Leland. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to our family-friendly show. Uh, one bleep in already. Okay. Um, well, no, we get the one. That one's free. So does anybody have any Star Trek news before we dive into an episode of Deep Space Nine? You've got all the photo novels. That's Star Trek news. Yeah. Uh, I just gifted all 12 original series photo novels. So I am excited. It was uh, something I'd been looking for, but not real hard. It just kind of came to me. You it's make, always the best way. Yeah. Make good friends, people. And also, mm. I'm going to be seeing, I know this is old news, but I'll be seeing the Deep Space Nine documentary in a couple of days. In, in the theatrical release. I have to work. Well, I, is anyone is anyone going to be there? Not Dave. locally. Yeah, just me. All oh, right. <laughs> no, I, I was. Is the Irish Stephen Berg going to host it or whatever? No, no. This is a Fathom event, so ah, uh, all right. He's not coming to my town. That'd be amazing, though. Mm, that'd be cool. Take him and his colored beard out for a beer. <laughs> in fact, I should bring my wife because her hair would match something in his beard color. Yeah, th- that would be awesome. Ah, <laughs> uh, anybody else? Bueller? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing, oh. nothing leaves nothing. Oh. Uh, there's a second animated series? I don't think we talked about that. I heard something about oh, a yeah. second. 
animated series? Apparently, it's going to be kids on Nickelodeon. Did... Yeah, the kids take over a starship. What would kids need with a starship? <laughs> Ask the cast of Mary. Ah. <laughs> oh. Sometimes I bonk, think bonk in the head. Sometimes I think that the Star Trek producers are looking at my old notebooks when I was a kid. Because Deep <laughs> Space Nine. Burned all my notebooks. What good are notebooks? Deep Space Nine was my idea. <laughs> I will stand by that. 1988, people. I'm like, what if they did Star Trek set on a space station? Nah, that never worked. And yet it did. Yeah. Well, it shows what I know. I also said a police procedural about uh, criminal forensics wouldn't work. Whoops. I said, what if they do a show that really sucks where they're lost in another quadrant? Well, two out of three ain't bad, right? <laughs> That's what Meatloaf said. Space Meatloaf. Space Meatloaf, yes. Space Loaf. Yeah. I think I think Meatloaf might have been a padlock. Hey! <laughs> we need things to make us go bat out of hell! I like Meatloaf. So do I. I, I the like food meatloaf. and the singer. I've never had the food. It's funny because uh, I, I when. Scott Rifen has infected my mind on the food meatloaf because one time on Dinner for Geeks, <laughs> they they were out eating or whatever, and somebody ordered meatloaf, and he went into a whole tirade <laughs> about how how going out to eat the whole reason you go out to eat is so that you don't have to have meatloaf. Yeah, <laughs> I will order a meatloaf if it's a reputable re- restaurant. Now, as as will I, but I still found Scott's tirade yeah. to be uh, amusing. But now I want Andy to come back over so we can feed him meatloaf. You've never no. had meatloaf, Andy. No, I don't even know what meatloaf is. Oh, yeah, take, a picture a big loaf-like hamburger with brown gravy on it. Or sometimes like a ketchup or, yeah. It's done a little bit differently, but yeah, it's basically a giant meatloaf of meat. And the you, name. Yeah, yeah, but you mix it. It's kind of like meatballs, but just in a giant form because you put bread in it sometimes. You can mix vegetables in it. It's, you know, it's... It's it's what happens when you run out of yeah just make meatloaf. You're not selling it, Simmer. Yeah, it's, it's hey, good when done right. Hey, uh, I got Andy when Andy was here. I you had never had grits before, right? Oh, it's no. my grits. Oh, right, grits. Grits were new to you. Grits were new to me. Yes, I introduced I just, I just them to. It was something they made up on the Beverly Hillbillies. I felt like um, in um, uh, Sylvester, uh, Sylvester Stallone. Oh. oh Demolition Man, you know, tonight we eat a Cracker Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what? Bill told me it's a Cracker Barrel. But you actually loved it because it was the cheapest place to eat in Orlando and had that, that you know, that the, they weren't raping you on the prices and the food wasn't bad. No, the food was all right. Well, maybe not the grits. <laughs> I like grits. I love that I in- introduced the show we, we sometimes talk about Star Trek and we've given meatloaf information and Cracker Barrel praise. <laughs> oh, we're still recording a show? Yeah. We- <laughs> Space Cracker Barrel. Space Cracker Barrel. Love Cracker Barrel. Mm. So, instead of... <laughs> so, beyond meatloaf, we're also talking about an episode of Deep Space Nine. That oh, ma- yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> magnificent Ferengi. They're cold-blooded. We'll all die. Ruthless. Killer. Invincible. But is the Dominion ready for Quark? On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Okay, so I can't be Yul Brenner because I have hair. But uh, I'm bald. I'll be Yul Brenner. Andy or Dave? I would love. I I wish I was as cool as Yul Brenner. You know what? You be Yul Brenner. I'll be Steve McQueen. We deal in latinum, friend. Okay, I'm, I'm, you're forcing me over to Charles Bronson. That's that's still cool. Yeah. Or or uh, what's his name? James Coburn. 
Oh, I'd be that, that is also still cool. You just don't want to be Robert. You just don't want to be Robert Vaughn. <laughs> Bill's the Robert Vaughn's fine. It's Brad Dett. Nah, no gives a shit about. No, but in in uh, in the Magnificent Seven, he's the one who's hiding. You know, he's all scared, and he's all scared. You don't want to be him. Yeah, but he gets over it. Andy, where yeah. you going? Where you been? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love trying to translate a visual gag into a audio form. <laughs> well, I'm just imagining you now holding up your cowboy hat to block out the sub. Yep. <laughs> you know, it, it it almost sounds as if That's we're trying five. to avoid talking about this episode. No, and no. I love this episode. I yeah, thought this yeah. was just a barrel of fun. Slow yeah, but this is going to be another one. That... Or you, do you, want, you just want to skip the synopsis this time? No, but I'm saying we, it's like nobody wants to go to get to the episode. We got excited like, to talk <laughs> about Magnificent Seven. It's also weird that the title is The Magnificent Ferengi, and there are seven of them, I suppose. But the plot is nothing to do with The Magnificent Seven. No, there's not. There's six of them. No. Not if she counts his mum. Oh, okay. Oh. Right. So, so we're jumping ahead, but this is season six, episode ten. We're almost halfway through season six, people. The end is Jump, not We're far. jumping ahead. We've been recording for over an hour. <laughs> this may only be five minutes into the show. We, we've been co- recording over an hour. Well, I... Well, never mind. Yeah, what? What? I was going to say, I've only been recording for like 25 minutes. <laughs> but the episode don't make, was... Direct- don't make me come over there, Paul. Yeah, you, you Paul, do that. Bill, Paul. Directed by Chip Chalmers. <laughs> written by Iris Stephen Bear and Hans Beemler. Beemler? Beemler? Bueller? Beemler! Hans? It would have been uh, aired the week of January 1st, 1998. Wow. Yeah. That was a long time. Oh, oh that, my God. That was a long thank time Thank God ago. you didn't ask me where I was at, because I don't even know where I'm at right now. Yeah. I, I, no. <laughs> I don't know where I was at the time. So this. I episode, don't know who I am. <laughs> who am I here? Cork's celebration of, ta- of obtaining syrup of squill, which sounds delicious, is cut short <laughs> when he learns that his mother, Ishka, has been captured by the Dominion. Ishka? She's Mubi. Cork uh, informs Mo- Rom. Moogie. Moogie. What'd I say? Mubi. Awkward. Cork informs. <laughs> you say That's, yeah. Cork informs Rom and also tells him of their mother's secret love affair with Grand Negasek, who doesn't appear in the I bet she episode. got those lifted too. Oh, sorry. Oh, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But Grand Negasek, who does not appear in this episode, is offering a reward of 50, count them, 50 gars of, gars, bars of gold-pressed latinum to Cork. He decides to lead a commando team composed of, I can't even say that without laughing, composed of Ferengi and claims that the reward is 20 bars so he can keep the larger share. They first recruit Nog, making him strategic operations officer for the mission. You know it's going quality from there. Next, they hire Lek, a Ferengi eliminator who does not care for latinum but loves a challenge. Cork bails out his cousin Gala, remember Gala, who was arrested for vagrancy and signs him up as a chance for redemption. At a briefing, the team learns they do not have a ship and are interrupted when Brunt arrives asking to join. Having lost his job as liquidator, he hopes helping rescue Ishka will make Zek give him his job back. When the team refuses, Brunt mentions he will simply return to his ship and leave. The team grudgingly accepts him. Running simulations in the holodeck go poorly. Very. They can't kill the Jem'Hadar soldiers and Lek ends up shooting Ishka. Damn it. Zek ends up shooting Leska. Ishka. Lek ends up... He shoots her. Lek ends up shooting Moopy. Moogie. Moogie. I quit. I'm done. Lek ends up shooting Moogie. <laughs> Lek ends up shooting Ishka. What do you do? What do you do? Anybody catch the speed reference? Gotcha. Okay. That's what I was Hot aiming quiz. for. Hot quiz. Hot shot. There you go. When Cork reminisces... thumbs. <laughs> what? I'm taller. I got no thumbs. 
When Quark reminisces about his negotiations to obtain surface squill, Rom encourages his brother. Encourages encourages his brother by saying, "Encourages? Whoa! Oh, I, that's well, not what is, I said. That's I've never said. seen you have this much trouble before. I keep and we're and we're really helping it along by interrupting. Yeah, I keep laughing though. <laughs> Rom encourages his brother by saying that Ferengi may not be good commandos, but they are excellent negotiators. Commando. Oh. I'll kill. I, when I said I'd kill you last, I lied. They just need to find someone the Dominion wants, and the Dominion will give them the person the Ferengi want." That way, everybody gets home alive. As thanks for helping Major Kira retake the station, Quark has given the captured Vorta Keevan, remember that douche? And the group arranges a meeting between the Dominion and, and Impoch Nor. Remember, that's where Garrick decided to kill people. Because the show kind of forgot. dance club. About Impoch Nor! The team makes space camp at the station's infirmary, where Keevan reveals he will probably be executed once he is returned. Maybe before that, spoiler... He attempts to escape in Brunt's ship, but fortunately, Rom disabled the ship after they arrived. They chased him because sometimes Rom gets it wrong. A Dominion ship arrives, and the Ferengi find themselves surrounded by Jem'Hadar. The Jem'Hadar's Vorta, Iggy Pop, Yelgren, presents Ishka to Quark, Rom, and Nog. Yes, it really is Iggy Pop. You can't miss him. But seeing the <clears throat> obvious strategic advantage that the Dominion troops have, they force Yelgren to order his troops, save for two bodyguards, to leave the station in immediate region of space. While celebrating the soon-to-be-successful exchange, Rom accidentally lets slip the fact that reward is actually 50 bars, not 20. In a rage, Galish tries to shoot Cork, but ends up killing Keevan, whose last words are, I hate Ferengi. <laughs> as, as Yelgren grows impatient, Nog determines that Keevan is dead, and the team decides not to give up and decide to go for an equal share of 50 bars. Placing a neural simulator on Keevan's head causes him to swing his arm, and Cork gets an idea... He changes the exchange point to the airlock where the ship is, while Nog modifies the simulators to create a Weekend at Bernie scenario. <laughs> at the exchange, they are able to get Keevan's dead body to walk, and once Ishka is safely with, on board with Quark, the team ambushes Yelgren's Jem'Hadar guards. Brent asks what they will do with him, and Quark says that the Yelgren will be their gift to Starfleet. They give us a Vorta, we'll give them one. That's the Chicago way. The Fringy team... And what it is to the morgue. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. The Frankie team leaves Impacnor while Keevan's body continues walking into the bulkhead. And the we, end. Maybe I, we should rename this the weekend at Impacnor. I know, I was a little disappointed, man. This this episode was a lot more fun. When I first thought it was a, a Ferengi episode, I was a little a little trepidous, but I ended up having a blast watching this episode. I I thought this was just a barrel of fun. This was just you know, it, I think somebody wrote into us recently saying, you know, oh, you guys are going to like it because it's a Ferengi episode, but I hate all the Ferengi episodes. How could you hate this? This is just so great. You know, the, 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 when they, when they were uh, actually going through their war games, <laughs> it's just so <laughs> freaking inept. It's hilarious. And then there's all the different personalities are great. The weekend at Bernie's thing is just, you know, the, <laughs> it's just, I mean, I, I was just laughing throughout this whole thing. Even the deadpan delivery of um, Keevan. Oh, yeah, he is, was great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're probably him. going to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> well, but both both of the uh, the Vortas were great. Iggy Pop was great. <laughs> I mean, it, and they they seem in such a contrast to Jeffrey Combs, who's always so good. So <laughs> and who's also in know, this episode is one of the Ferengi as yes. Grunt. I but, love that you know, Iggy Pop kept his Michigan accent. He, he, he was. There's a, there's a Michigan in, in Ferengina, I presume. <laughs> Lots of planets have a north. North remembers. Winter is coming. 
Come on, it's got to be yeah. more to talk about, guys. You know, I, I really like this one. I thought this was genuinely funny. My favourite was Nog, who goes through the entire episode having spent however long that they've spent in Starfleet Command now dealing with competent people, just rolling his eyes at how stupid uh. everybody is. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it was, it was interesting to see, you know, that they tried it as commandos first. <laughs> and then they realized, I mean, at least they realized how incompetent they are. And they were like, well, what are we good at? Negotiating. Oh. So, you know, I mean, it was it, it was fairly logical as far as that went. So that was pretty cool that they did that. Um, like I said, just the whole process and everything. And then even in the negotiation, they still can't handle the, the prisoner exchange. <laughs> it, you know, I... I do question why the Dominion would even do the exchange, though. I mean, I understand what they said, that they want to see, you know, find out what information he gave up and all of that. But it, yeah, it, I, I don't think it, one Vorta would still have enough information that could seriously damage the whole Dominion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of the way it, what I thought. So, that, you know, that doesn't seem necessarily to ring true, but it's such a minor point that it's like, yeah, whatever. They're still doing but, the But you could say, and Yelgren kind of brings it up, that he's kind of impressed at the Ferengi and their uh, their ability at negotiating or deception. And he's like, yeah, you might do well in the Dominion once we take take over. So maybe that's kind of more what this is. And they're more curious as to what the what are the Ferengi made of? Because maybe they haven't had as many direct um, experiences with them. That's not really the word I wanted, but I think it's... Yeah, they might want to see if, you know, if as they, you know, they're just totally confident that they're going to take over. Mm-hmm. So as they take over, you know, what what, what about this? What do these guys bring to the table? What can we use them yeah. for in the future? Uh, yeah, let's see how, how this plays out. And we won't kill them outright, even though we couldn't do them in a, at any time. I don't wish to pull up the thread of the plot of this episode, given that it is a comedy, and a funny comedy, therefore it achieves its goal. Why exactly do the Dominion kidnap Ishka? What what do they gain from that? What's the point? I I got the impression that it was more uh, just by chance, that she was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and, you know, not that they went out of their way to kidnap her. That she she just wandered somewhere where she shouldn't have been, and that they took her prisoner for what? For whatever. <laughs> <laughs> because well, she probably joke. said, "I know the I, I know the negatives. She, she is the brains behind the Ferengi, uh, you know, the Ferengi financial system at this point. So why not kidnap they, the Grand Negus? Because he's not the brains behind the financial. Yeah, but I don't. That's not known that she's the brains behind. Yeah, it. he's he's the figurehead. But also, he didn't wander into their hands. I don't think they sought to to kidnap her. Like I said, I think she wandered where she shouldn't have been, and they just took her prisoner. And then when they did, they realized that she had some you know information they might be find useful, but not so useful that they really gave a shit. So they were willing to trade her for a border. All right. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's as good as I can give you. Yeah, it's it's as, it's better than the writers gave us. All right, I'll I'll take better than them. Yeah. So, but once it actually kicks in, it is genuinely amusing. Every little aside from Rom, and I love the Magnificent Seven homage. That's five. That's mm-hmm. absolutely that's, brilliant. That's really the only thing they do that's a direct takeoff from the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. The, you know, the hand signals. Uh, just as an aside, though, Andy, uh, to, to your point, is this was originally supposed to be Wallace Shawn that was kidnapped. See, it that makes su- more sense. It was sense. supposed to be the Nagus, but they, right. uh, they, didn't, they weren't able to do that because he wasn't available, I think. Right. See, so that does make a little bit more sense, that they had planned to kidnap the Nagus. They should have mentioned that in the script, and I'd, I'd have been fine with that. We meant to catch Actually, they could have, yeah. We, we, we yeah. did a... a you know, a uh, 
we you know we moved in to try and take him, and when we did, he wasn't there, but she was, so we just took her. Yeah, that makes more sense. Um, there's the absolutely genius comedy moment where they're crawling around the Jeffrey's tubes and they end up in Cisco's office. I was going to say that. <laughs> Apparently, we took a wrong turn. Apparently, you did. <laughs> and I love that, that he, Avery Brooks does that thing where he, he looks to open his mouth as if to ask, and then goes, ah, "I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> Yes. No, I'm not going to hyperventilate on this one. <laughs> I don't what know are you what doing in my office? I don't know I'm what they're going to save this for next episode. Um, the actual killing of what's his name? The other voter that they've got. I forgot his Keevan. name. Keevan. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. Kevon likes his money. Oh, it's funny. I just don't know what I think about them reanimating his corpse. <laughs> Oh, other, other than the fact that him walking into the bulkhead is amusing. <laughs> when they just leave him there? Yeah. <laughs> as far as we know, he's still the... I mean, he's dead, so he's probably just become a, a skeleton by this point. But, yeah, at some point he's going to break down and, mm. yeah. Um, the rest of the the rest of the crew aren't really in this. Worf's not in this one at all, is he? No. No. Worf, he gets mentioned, but he doesn't actually make an appearance. Uh the, the the guest cast are very useful. We get to see Lita's Cle- uh, Lita again. <laughs> yeah, we do. Which is always amusing. Wait, what? Man, I, I think I need to go back. <laughs> Did I miss something? Yeah, yeah it's, well, she's a Dabo girl, so, you know, mm-hmm. they know what their assets are. You're certainly not hiding anything. No. <laughs> Ad-lib. It's, <laughs> it's, it's genuinely amusing throughout, but as a comedy episode, I don't know if there's really a lot of depth to it. Oh no, there's not depth, but it doesn't matter. This this episode didn't need depth. And you know, I've complained, you know, as we've gone on, when we get a little intense into the story, and then they go for a more lighthearted episode because sometimes the change of pace is poorly planned out. I think in this instance, I I think it it just fit in so well. It was it was a welcome respite from the intense episodes. Yeah, and it actually tied in to the overall storyline better than the past couple of episodes that haven't. Yeah. This actually does tie into the whole fact that we are still at war with the Dominion. That is still going on. They are still expanding. So all of that stuff played into this really quite light-hearted plot really well. Mm-hmm. It was ni- it's always nice to bring everybody back. Um, it just shows how good... Why am I forgetting everybody's names today? Brunt, what's his name? Jeffrey, Jeffrey Coombs. Coombs. Jeffrey Coombs. Just so as how good Jeffrey Coombs is, that I don't see any of Wayoon when he appears as, as Brunt. Uh-uh. He's a, and it's not just the makeup. He is a completely different character. In fact, all of them get funny little moments. I, I didn't understand why he felt the need to, to recruit from the Ferengi pool. Why didn't he recruit some badass mercenaries for this job? Eh, maybe because they maybe they well no because they say that they they wanted to prove that they were just as um, capable as actual Nosikins, Breen, and Klingons. Oh my yeah, God. but they're not. I know that <laughs> they're actually shit. Well, maybe also Quark thought he could better control the Ferengi than he could, could control a Nosik and a Breen or a Klingon. See, that makes perfect sense, that Quark probably wouldn't be listened to by Norsicans and all of that shit. But the Ferengi, they'll give him crap, but they will actually listen to him. As long as he pays them, they'll do what he wants. And it it shows the growth in Quark as a character, that he's the cool one. (laughs) Words I never thought I'd hear, but they they set that up early in the episode when 
Quark's talking about his negotiation for the syrup, and uh, O'Brien, Dax, and Worf. Is it Worf? Oh, Julian. Come Worf's back. not in it. Oh, yeah. And Odo's like, well, those are heroes. Oh, yeah, because everybody's like, oh, oh, oh so, yeah, look, they're back. Yeah, it's out. he's <laughs> out to, to prove them wrong. He's out to be the hero of his own story. Yep. Which is fair enough. Mm. I like them all in this one. I, I liked Nog. Like I said, Nog, having spent time with Starfleet competent people, just cannot handle these assholes. Not not only not being willing to follow orders, but not actually being able to shoot a, a phaser. Yeah. Well, you're the and only one that knows how to shoot a phaser. The, 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 I love the, the, the simulation where they accidentally shoot her. <laughs> that was genius. But it also prefigures later on where they accidentally shoot the Vorta mm. guy. Yep. <laughs> And I love I love his looking at the wound in his chest and going, I hate Ferengi dying. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those rare comedy episodes of Star Trek that is actually funny. Yeah, I was thinking that the, the the majority of the jokes, if not all the jokes, land perfectly. Yeah. And a lot of it is the the actors. A lot of them the actors really sell what they're doing. Quark and Rom at this point are one of the best double acts that they've got. And the, the, the fact that they just bounce off each other so wonderfully. Nog's snide little asides. Rom, sorry. Rom's snidey little asides all the way through the episode are genuinely amusing. It's great. It's yeah. it's probably the best out flat out comedy they've done since the Trouble with Tribbles. It's funny, I was talking to Scott the other day and he, he doesn't think the Trouble with Tribbles is all that funny. And, and I, I do understand that some people don't really like it because of its tone change and all of that and i don't want to go too far into that but uh you know i think the whole key is to to make it funny and make it feel like it actually could happen and the frangi are just like the perfect focus for something like that you know it's hard to believe anybody would be as inept as they are when they're training (laughs) or actually when they go on their actual mission even uh but it's just so funny it's you know the especially when when they're just shooting wild at everything it's amazing that that all the Ferengi came back and I love the different personalities that they introduced you know the you know, the, the actual mercenary Ferengi <laughs> and it's just it's great I, I would have enjoyed if they made it a little bit more of a takeoff of the Magnificent Seven but I don't know how you could do that and then still kind of ground it in yeah this is still part of you know Deep Space Nine that you're going to accept <laughs> Oh, what's growling back there? <laughs> that would be the dog. That's Andy. Andy had something uh, beamed that's not down. Agree, not and something Andy eight isn't agreeing with him. Oh, I thought he. Beamed no, no, the, I think I think he's fighting with the cat. Oh, I thought you beamed the dog down, and he you know got split in two. Cats, <laughs> cats and dogs <laughs> living together. Mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Speaking of comedies, I don't think Ghostbusters two is the train wreck everybody wants to make it out to be. That's my hot never take. seen it. Really? Never seen Ghostbusters 2. I saw it. I wasn't a fan, actually. What? You never... You oh, you were like the buzzing of flies. I have never seen Ghostbusters 2. Why is this a shock to people? Well, I'm going to check this. I'm going to test the water. Have you seen Ghostbusters? Yes. Okay. Just checking. I assume, but, you know, apparently have I... Have you seen the Ghostbusters reboot? No. Okay, because I was going to come over to England and punch you in the face if you had seen that, but not no, Ghostbusters I, I have 2. not seen the reboot. He was going to punch you in your red coat. I don't own a red coat. Oh, whoa. Oh, challenge accepted. <laughs> well, I was thinking Andy escalated that. And we, I'm like, back off. And Bill's like, no, challenge accepted. I'm going to charge right in. <laughs> Bill is the Ferengi coat. of the group. Like, Bill is the one I see shooting the hostage. Hey. <laughs> I hate Dr. Bill. <laughs> oh, I, I see him shooting me. 
yeah. the eliminator. <laughs> no, Paul's the eliminator because hmm. he's cranky. Well, that's true. We we did decide who would be in the uh, the Magnificent Seven, but who would we be in the Fer- Magnificent Ferengi? Hmm. Dave, I think Dave would be Nog. Yeah, that's what I was gonna. I was actually gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guy who just sits there rolling his eyes at our incompetence. Yeah, oh, Andy would be. On again? <laughs> <laughs> would Andy be the eliminator? Yeah. Yeah. Is that like the equalizer? Because I could do that. A- yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Hmm. And Paul would be Brunt. It, but, uh, <laughs> Andy, are you, are you Edward Woodward or Denzel Washington? Edward Woodward all the way, dude. I'm not so sure. So where does that leave me? Keevan. Okay. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'd be Moogie. <laughs> hey. <laughs> You don't want me to walk around naked. Oh, no, yeah, good point. There's there's a lot of smut in this as well. The jokes about having her lobes lifted up. They have never been so firm. She's she's having Iggy Pop rub the top of her head because she's talking about the the cream she rubs into it. It's never been smoother. It's, it's, you know, so hypocrite. So futures of uh, Hippocat root. Interesting. Hmm. (laughs) I I love his line about, um, that's very interesting, but I'm still going to kill you. Yeah fascinating i'd love to hear more but if your son doesn't show up i'm going to have to kill you very good so was this the you first can, time Iggy pop? Iggy pop was this hmm? the first time what? he appeared yeah okay i thought he had appeared in an earlier episode like a no i think show. that was the guy from breaking away you're thinking of perhaps ah pop possibly you know there are people that get annoyed with episodes like this in all seriousness that they feel like well star trek is serious and contemplative and it's it's science fiction for thinkers no it's it's a story platform you can tell any kind of story in this. I mean, they were talking about Tarantino doing a potentially horror, um, not horror-themed, but leaning into the horror aspect. Yeah, you could tell that story with Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, Miri did. Yeah, exactly. Well, and like that one episode in Next Gen when they were t- taken over by the, you know, they had the little things in the back of their necks. Yeah, a conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. You could argue that, um, what's the one where they all de-evolve? That was the oh, horror yeah. story. That one sucked. Yeah, it sucks moose, but it's a horror story. But you could, comedy is not, you know, it's not off limits. It's just that most of the time, Star Trek doesn't do it all that well. Modern Star Trek didn't Modern do it Star all Trek, that well yeah. in the 90s, because Rick Berman was deathly afraid of doing comedy, because he thought it would push it over into parody, whereas the original show was exceptionally good at comedy. Mm. I mean, I'm not even talking about comedy episodes, like The Trouble with Tribbles and Piece of the Action is undeniably a comedy episode, but by any other name, has some hysterical moments in it that are genuinely funny. That which survives, even though it's a fairly serious episode, you have Spock telling Scotty that Getting back on the nacelles would not only be improper, it would be undignified. Mm. Just little one-offs that are <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Little, little lines. Yeah, like, like uh, I'm not sure, but I think we've just been insulted. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. By the time we got into later scenes of The Next Generation, they actually realized Brent Spiner was hilarious. <coughs> so they actually started making him funny. Mm-hmm. And Worf as well had the occasional one-liner, but they didn't really do a lot of comedy in Next Gen. But they, they, they overdid. Oh, sorry. They overdid the Brent Spiner in uh, generations. generations. Yes, mm. yes, they did. They went to the well just a little too often. That's what happens when you give him third billion. You get second billion in first contact. That worked out well. Did he? Did he get second billion in first contact? That was Patrick Stewart <laughs> and Brent Spiner. I think over, got, over Frakes. I, oh yeah, I thought he. Right. I thought he got second billion in uh, Nemesis too, and look how that worked out. Oh <laughs> yes, well. The less said about that, the better. True. Were the Ferengi in, in, in Nemesis? No. <laughs> no, they were not. Nemesis! 
I still love that. See, three... Paul, I waited. I didn't take <laughs> take it from you. I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to do it. But f- Dave, right? <laughs> when he starts to speak, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Gee. Where's that Snickers this isn't, Where's that this Snickers isn't an Orville podcast, Bill. <laughs> it was a simple statement. You're taking... <laughs> I simply said this is not an Orville podcast in a chat, and you're like, oh, I think Dave's yelling at me. It's not in all caps. I will yell at you, if you like. I will <laughs> yell at him! <laughs> yell at him now. But I love that, that the Ferengi was supposed to be the big bad of next gen, that these were going to be yeah. the Klingons, and now they're, they're comic fodder, and it works so beautifully. <laughs> Yeah, it just works better because they work as a pastiche. Yep. But even with that, Armin Shimmerman has done such a good job of making him a relatable and likable character that it's not his fault that all the other Ferengis are shit. Because, <laughs> like, when we get to Voyager again, the Ferengi appear a couple of times in Voyager and they're crap every time they appear. Oh, yeah, those two guys that slip through the wormhole or that yeah, came from the. Yeah, there's yeah. the two guys that slip through the wormhole, and then there's the episode where... I just watched this one. A young Dabo girl seduces Barkley to get information about Seven's nanoprobes that the Ferengi can steal and sell off for lots of latinum or something. And they're awful Ferengi as well. So there's only really Deep Space Nine that handles the Ferengi well. And not one energy whip among them. No. no but did, have they ever even carried the energy whip again? Mm-mm. I don't think they have, have they? No. Not that I've seen. I can't recall any in on Deep, no. Deep Space Nine. Maybe they just use that in the bedroom, I don't know. <laughs> Whoa. So have we killed this one then? Well, I went down a weird path when you said that. I, I'm wondering, in, in terms of romance and physical romance, if you will, where profit comes into the equation for a Ferengi. Well, don't they marry for the benefit of the house and standing and stuff like that? Yeah. Hasn't that been established somewhere, that they, they will marry for for status? I was thinking, yeah, and, and then I guess kids would be kind of the way child labor was back in the earlier days of the 20th century when they were an asset because they could go out and work and bring money into the household. Okay, got it. Oh, I was picturing them from, like, Oliver Twist. Yeah. I mean, same kind of thing, yeah. You want more grub worms? What, what was it that uh, that Quark had gotten at the beginning of the episode? Squill? Squill. Squill. Yeah. Squill, yes. That just sounds... Just the, the name sounds so unappetizing. Un- un- Squill like a pig. That's a reference to something. I'm sure it is. Yeah, have it was to a W.C. Fields. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just going to control. You sound like when Richard Alpha. Dawson used to do that. <laughs> Probably where I learned it from. Yeah. Oh, wow. Squill is a common name for several lily-like plants and may refer to uh, these nice medicinal plant things, good scientific names that I don't want to pronounce. They're native to the Mediterranean. Ooh, let me. I can ah. butcher them horribly. Dremia maritima. Close enough. Yeah, it'll do. Yeah, that's a real thing. Okay. Science, people. It's a power of math. <laughs> for, for science. I guess we should rate this, and I guess I'm first. Uh, I was going to say, Squilliam was also the guy on... Uh, on SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Squidward. Squidward, yeah. No, no. no William was his arch enemy. His nemesis. That's nemesis? <laughs> so you didn't have to wait that time. Nope. Once again, Dave was talking. He's got it. Oh. You, you, don't, you don't remember Squilliam? I didn't. I don't have kids. I didn't have Squilliam, to watch Squilliam. Is it Squilliam Fancy Pants? <laughs> I think it may. Something I like that. I don't it. have kids. I didn't have to watch SpongeBob. <laughs> David Hasselhoff was in the film, dude. Oh, I saw that part. 
Yes. I, oh, I, good. Yeah, that part of the movie was all I really wanted to see. William's fancy, William's fancy yeah. pants. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you? I'm David Hasselhoff. And he turns into a William was a, a boat for them. William fancy son. William was in the episode when they played the super, played at the Super Bowl. <laughs> what? Anyway, anyway, let's let Dave speak. <laughs> I'm rating this episode of four. I'm going to get that out before another nemesis. Um, uh, I'm, al- I'm also rating it as a four. I, I just found this to be great. I loved it. It's not, you know, it's not a five, no. but it was just a lot of fun. I will also rate it a four because, yeah, it was it was funny. And, you know, what more do you want from a comedy episode than it be funny? Ow. Sorry, I just stretched and I think what? I hurt myself. <laughs> I wasn't expecting <laughs> ow. 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 I think I'm going to give it four twitching desiccated Kivon corpses. Ow. <laughs> Ow, that damn, that hurt. <laughs> All right. Well, Squil- Squilliam Robinson is, uh, unfortunately, he has a spine, unlike Squilliam from SpongeBob. We'll just put a few neural stimulators on Bill. We'll get him going again. <sighs> I think that's what we did only, this morning. If only. God, I wish somebody could do that for me. What? I could sleep all day, go to work. <laughs> the nice thing is, instead of figuring out what we think, what does Blaine say on this episode? What does Blaine say? What does Blaine say? What what does Blaine say? What does Blaine say? Blaine says. What does Blaine say? Blaine says. What does Blaine say? Come on, Paul. I actually have it open for a while now. I just wanted to see how long you could go. (laughs) Blaine says this was a show. It was an episode. All right. So now Blaine says, "Hi guys." Once again, when you want comic relief, you make a Ferengi episode. Some jokes don't work. Was there any reason to come out in Cisco's office aside from satisfying the contractual obligation to give Avery Brooks screen time? And I'm oh, going to interrupt. Come on, that, so was that was funny. Yes. That that reminded me almost of like the uh, Batman climbing up the wall and having yeah. like some person. <laughs> yeah, Sammy Davis Jr. opens the window for no reason at all. Hey, man. You know, uh, the concept does both from a comedic perspective and to demonstrate that the Ferengi are capable, but just choose not to participate in mass violence. No, they're not capable. What are you talking about? They shot Ishka. They shot Thingyo. Yeah, I don't think they're capable. He makes it so, well, they don't participate, but just, just choose not to participate in mass violence. Wait, did you forget their first appearance on Next Gen? Anyway. Shimmerman's strengths shine here. He knows to stay in the background when others would try to steal the spotlight, and he's completely believable when he negotiates his way out of this. The Starfleet Federation influence on Nog is also a nice touch, as is Rom's hide-and-seek joke. This is comedic, but also demonstrates that the Ferengi are not just a joke. Overall, it's entertaining, but still tied to the main narrative, though, the prisoner status. History says though, that a comedic Ferengi episode comes immediately before or after a rather heavy episode. Blaine. Ooh, that's nice. Nice uh, foreshadowing. Ooh. That's what Blaine said. That's what he said. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Namasas? That's, that's what, what Blaine what said. Like. That's what Blaine <laughs> said. That's what, that's what Blaine said. And now we're done with that segment. We can move on with the show. Bum, 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 Do we have email? Right, now, now I'm contractually obliged to do a closing song, too. Great. <laughs> Contracts are to be torn up, Bill. And eaten. 
Yes. Well, I'm so fat. Yeah. Andy's the one saying contracts needed to be torn up, and he, he's constantly one referencing his contract. We're still Shut not- up. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Okay. He can't tear his up because it's an ironclad contract. That's, yes. Uh, Signed in blood. That also says we're not making any money at this. Can we just point that out just so we don't get sued again? He gets paid in VIG. <laughs> oh, it's a long story. We settled. Right? Paul knows what VIG is, right? It's, uh, yeah, of course I know what a VIG is. Paul get, yeah. You gotta, wet, you gotta wet his beak. Yeah, it's all these, uh, you know, gangster terms. I've seen rounders. I know what a VIG is. Oh, okay. Stop splashing the pot. Pay that man. Pay that man his money. So before uh, just, we get off on... Uh, it makes me want to go out and get some Oreos. <laughs> yeah. Before we get off on a rounders <laughs> Andy, what yes. are we doing next time? Next time on an all-new episode of Listen to the Prophets. Let's go have a waltz with Gulda Cat. A criminal of war. I tried to save lives. Stranded alone with his arch enemy. That you are responsible for the murder of over five million Bajorans. Two are false. Cisco and Ducat. No games. Just you, me, and the truth. Man to man. You really want to do this? Here. No, yes. Who will survive? Do it! On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We can dance around the ballroom and I'll look very civilized because I want to be loved. Damn it! Just needed a hug. I wanna be adored. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna be adored. So if you give Goldacat a Snickers, does that change his disposition? <laughs> Maybe he'll see less people. Maybe. See you next time. Bye. Long. Nemesis! <laughs> Listen to the Prophets at Deep Space Nine Podcast is a Two True Freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you'd like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the twotruefreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. Hey, I'm going to see Mike Zek. Oh, yeah. And John Peter, they're both going to be at London MCM Comic Con on the weekend that I happen to be in London for work. Londinium? Yeah, I totally worked that out by accident. Very cool. I thought all of England was London. Yes, yes. No, it's just, it's it's not all London. Let me, let me explain this to you. I gotta, you know, I gotta learn you. It's not all London. There's a whole bunch of different places. It's just so foggy you can't tell. Oh, the fact that that sigh just came out of Andy makes my day.